Welcome, everyone, to the Roots Rugby Podcast, where it's Hate America Week or Down the Eagles Week or whatever you want to call it. Well, we finally have it, folks. We finally have a roster that Canada will be taking to Japan, barring any injuries in this weekend's game. Uh, Derek, we've, we've got the big news. How are we feeling about this? Uh, yeah, so um, it's a roster. Um, it, yeah, there's um, obviously a handful of major uh, exclusions on it. Um, most notably, uh, no Theo Souter, no Rob Brower. Um, so that has made a lot of people on Twitter very angry. Um, I was also one of those people. Um, <laughs> so there also, obviously, a few more guys. Nakai Penny got cut. Um, he was an MLR, all, uh, first team all MLR this year. Um, and so he's cut as uh, so he's cut as well. Um, Kanoa Lloyd's cut, Noah Barker's cut, um, Larson's or one of the Larson's cut. Um, Josh Larson got cuts. Um, so that's there's, um, you know, that was uh, the big uh, thing though, is that it appears that there's only been one actual change from the Pacific Nations Cup squad which uh, saw Rob Brower um, out, and then um, uh, uh, Andrew Coe um, is in. Uh, so that's um, obviously a, uh, you know, it's, uh, that's clearly the decision, I guess, that uh, um, King, uh, Kingsley Jones came to. Um, I honestly don't know what Rob Brower has to to do um, to would have had to done to have made this team, and um, I don't know, man. What would you uh, what do you think of the roster as a whole here? Well, I definitely think that going with Co with the roster is an interesting choice. I think he looked fantastic in the games he played in. Uh, I've always loved watching Andrew Co play. I think that he's a versatile player, can play sevens, fifteens. You know, if you commit to fifteens, bulking up a little bit would never uh, be a bad thing. Uh, I just think that it's an interesting decision to go with four wings. You know, you've got Hassler, DTH, Paris, and now Co. So, you know, that's a that's a lot of wingers. Um, so unless that they're planning on, you know, having two of them play against the Springboks and two play for the rest of them or however you want to split it, it's just a very, very interesting decision. Um, I agree with you. I think that Rob Brower not being on this roster is insane. Uh, you know, but I, we also talked, you know, this is something that we've talked about with Kingsley Jones is he loves his experience. He loves his guys that have World Cup experience. So guys like Noah Bar, um, um, uh, Hubert Bidens and uh, Justice Sears Duru are going to get that spot just because they have the experience. Even though they might not have played the best, and, you know, you made one good point about one of the front rowers that, didn't really perform well, and yet he's going, uh, Benoit Pifro. I think that you made a good point earlier when we were talking before we recorded that maybe he doesn't deserve his spot and Rob Brower gets a spot. You know, we've got three, you know, we've got three guys at the number three jersey with Cole Keith, uh, Jake and Licky, and Matt Tierney. You know, why can't we have three on the other side and, and run the two hookers, you know, in the middle? So either it says a lot about how much they're really going to play Andrew Quatron. Um, but I think that is a very interesting debate. Um, I understand why they didn't 
put Sauter on the lineup. You know, he is just coming back from injury, and even though he looked incredibly well uh, in the game uh, against the BC, which, again, take with a grain of salt, people, because they're playing against provincial all-stars, but I and think I think Kingsley's... There issues in that game, too. Which is, there's still issues in that game, yes. That's kind of... This, we can, we'll talk about that game later. We'll talk about that next. Um, but I think he is looking to the future. I think that he's worried that if he brings Souter to this World Cup and he gets eaten alive and his confidence drops and then he has a cycle of horrible play, you know, we've got a chance. He's 23 years old, if I'm correct. You know, that's still has a couple World Cups if he stays healthy and, and keeps on moving up the way he is. And again, you know, if if we never had anyone put their hand up, you know, it's kind of the opposite position of of Brower. You know, we had someone put their hand up and show that they can play in the 15th jersey. You know, Parf- Patrick Parfait really showed that he's yeah. he he wants the, that spot. And again, it was Souter's spot in the the repechage. So I I understand that the Souter. I don't understand the Brower. Um, and it's, it's it's also important to note that there is still a chance we might see these guys barring injury. Uh, Patrick Johnson of the province out west in BC, who if anyone wants a good follow about a lot of rugby, he doesn't write so much about them now, but does a really, really good job at Rising Action on Twitter. At the end of his uh, report about the World Cup roster, he did mention that uh, that there is an injury backup roster uh, with the likes of Theo Sauter, Will Persillier, Rob Brower, Noah Barker, and Josh Larson, who are on standby. Uh, so, you know, as angry as we are and as frustrating as it is, maybe we'll see them. Uh, maybe we will. Someone get, gets hurt in this U.S. game. Someone gets hurt in the first game against the All Blacks, running their, their legs off. Um, so I, I do think that it is frustrating. I don't think Kainoa Lloyd really had a chance. Again, he's he's young. He's going to be highlighted in a lot of Rugby Canada stuff and and maybe in another MLR season. Who knows what's what's left for him? Same thing with Nakai Penny. I think he had a great season and it's just gotta he's just gotta build onto it and yeah. and move on. Uh, the only other person I can think of is is I'm still salty about Dan Moore, but. That ship has sailed. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, Dan, it was a handful of guys. You know, I saw some people saying that weren't on the team on Twitter. Uh, Moore was one of them. Uh, Will Priscillier was another that name that I kept kind of seeing popping up on Twitter on Reddit. Uh, which, I mean, I, I, I don't know how, if you're supposed to be surprised that they're, work, like they're not on the team considering they haven't been, uh, you know, they got cut previously or Priscilla hasn't even been with the team. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't really know where the, like the shock in those guys not making it is. Um, I still think though, like one of the things that, you know, we, you kind of got to do though, like when you're saying like Brower should have been on the team or those people saying Sauter should have been on the team or more Barton or, um, you know, whoever it is that you want to, um, you know, argue for that should be included on the team. Um, is you, you like you have to cut somebody? Um, it can't just be um, it can't just be you know we should have this player in. Um, they don't they, like somebody has to. You have to argue for that person to come out too. Um, I think in the case of Robert Bauer, um, 
honestly, I think over the course of the Major League Rugby season, I thought he was the best Canadian loose head in the league. Um, and I think over the course of the PNC Leinster and uh, the Leinster game and the game against BC, I still think like I just don't think uh, Sears Duru and Biden's did enough to like kind of dethrone him from that. Yet alone enough to completely knock him off the roster. Um, that being said, though, I don't think I don't necessarily think that Sears Duru or Biden's has been playing poor, poorly either, poorly enough to get taken off. But um, you touched on it a little bit based on our conversation before we actually started recording here. Um, but yeah, Piffero has been bad. Um, just, you know, just all around, like, he's been bad. Um, he has, uh, so I think, you know, there's obviously, um, I was kind of looking at the other um, uh, the squads going to the, uh, the World Cup here. Um, team USA is the only team that has yet to actually officially announce um, who their 31 is, but all the other teams did. And basically, for the most part, every team's taken eight front row players um, in various different combinations of what those eight guys are. Um, a, handful, a couple of teams are taking nine, three at each. Um, but I think, uh, I, I really think like you probably, I, I think if you were to look at the, the depth chart at Hooker, it's Eric Howard, um, Andrew Quatrin, and Benoit Piffero. And I don't, and I think if I had to pick between Piffero and Brower, I would t- I'm taking the third prop because he's just been playing that much better. Um, same with uh, Sauter. Sauter is the only other player that I think I was like, I really would have liked to see him on this team um, based on what we have seen here. Um, you know, there was, um, he just, I think, again, I think obviously Parfrey has been very good at uh fullback um so i don't think like i'm not cutting a fullback for him either i would kind of i think i would kind of looking at nick blevins um would be the guy uh, that i would uh you know cut from the roster um in in favor of Souter. um blevins just uh he's been okay at center but you know he's he also has at times you know looked at a, like a guy that hasn't been you know he looks like somebody that's not a professional um athlete and i'm still like i'm one of those people that does kind of question um why you know in the day and age of major league rugby um you know when you have access to fill like fill out your team entirely of professional players um i think sometimes going i don't know if the amateur player is necessarily the best option um so but uh i think too if you did that obviously um parfrey can also play center dth can also play center even though i've very don't want him to be playing center but in the event of an injury if you had to do it it could be done um so it's like you you do have based on the other backs that are on the team is you do have somebody to come in and play center obviously along with you know the other centers that are on the team with her and Lesage and trainer um that's kind of what i would go with um there's uh but yeah um i don't know so anything you want to add to that or I think that's just one thing that you know you really touched on is why are we taking guys that haven't performed? I think that's yeah. that's that'll be a question going on after this 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 World Cup is why are we taking guys that consistently show that they could perform at the level that we need them to play when we had guys that were but didn't have as much experience? I think that that argument's just going to continue. Yeah, and I think that's um, that's another thing too is. Uh... Like when you kind of look at it, it's 
I remember back when we had um, Aaron Castro on the show and, you know, following the first uh, PNC game against the United States. And he kind of said, like, he talked to Kingsley Jones um, after the game and really felt that the, you know, the the roster wasn't going to change, you know, all that much um, between now and uh, between then and when they actually announced the 31-man squad for the World Cup. And, you know, it obviously didn't. But it's one of those things where, you know, when you watch the the quality of play that Rob Brower's been bringing to the table, you even watch the quality of play of some of the guys that, you know, had were earlier cuts, um, Andrew Ferguson, Dan Moore, um, not maybe not an earlier cut, but a guy like George Barton as well. And it's one of those things where it's like, it's almost like, it almost kind of feels like a while ago, a decision was made as to what who's going to be on this team. And it wasn't going to, it didn't, it doesn't seem like it was necessarily swayed by um, players' performances and stuff as much. Um, like, I don't, like, when I looked at the roster and saw the, that the, uh, the scrum halves were going to be uh, Gordon McCrory, um, Jamie McKenzie, and Phil Mack. And, you know, it's one of those, it's like, it's one of those, you kind of look back and it's like, obviously it's those three guys. Like, those are the three guys that Kingsley Jones was going to go with. And, you know, it really, when you kind of look at that and it's like, man, like, I don't know how well Andrew Ferguson or Will Persillier would have needed to play to actually change who those three yeah. guys are. Um, similarly, too, like, I don't know how, what, like, you know, it, the the centers haven't changed either, right? It's been Levin turn with Sage um, the whole time. I don't know how well... George Barton or Dan Moore would have actually had to have played. Um, I think like it seems like maybe like you said earlier, it's like you maybe you probably got to play on like a Patrick Parfrey level of, of of this right now, and you know it's uh, in order to actually in, institute that change. Um, another position, like I mean, even goes back to uh, to Brower. I mean, uh, you know, before obviously the Repechage tournament, Biden, Sears, Duru, like those are your those were the loose heads. And I think mm-hmm. those were, and it's almost looks like it's like, those were always going to be the loose heads. Um, and then, you know, uh, it's, it's just, I don't know. Um, I think too, like, honestly, like looking back at that uh, Canada arrows inner squad game that they had. Um, and, you know, Ferguson looked like one of the better scrum halves on the pitch during that, during that game too. Um, so I think, you know, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's pretty easy to coach a team when we're just, you know, sitting on our desks and uh, talking about rugby and stuff. Yeah. It's a lot harder to actually make those decisions. Um, but, but it does kind of feel like there's some guys that have been playing very well um, that just maybe haven't, maybe didn't get as much of a shot at it as I would like, you know, that you would like to see. Like, well, maybe it would have been nice to see George Barton mm-hmm. do a game, right? And, you know, because... Even like like even like Parfrey, Parfrey maybe was on the outside looking in until the second half of that Tonga game where he just came into the game and then just dominated. Yeah, and had a really strong performance against Leicester. Um, so it was like that. Like Parfrey just jumped on his opportunity to take it and he ran with it. And in all honesty, it looks like he's going to be wearing uh, the number fifteen jersey when they take on Italy. But it doesn't seem like other guys necessarily got the opportunity to do that. Um, which, you know, is a little unfortunate. Like, even, even Shane O'Leary um, has probably been one of the – probably been the best fly half, too. Um, Nelson, I think, looks – I mean, uh, Nelson playing at his full strength, I think, looks more comfortable as a fullback. 
um, to maximize Peter Nelson's abilities. Um, but I think, like, I don't, I don't know what Shane O'Leary has to do to actually earn that 10 jersey. Um, but it looks like it's definitely going to be Peter Nelson at 10. Shane O'Leary, I guess, is going to be coming off the bench. Um, but, you know, O'Leary even showed it in the game against BC. And, I mean, whether you're playing against BC or the All Blacks, the posts are in the same spot. Um, and, you know, he was money um, from that uh, in that entire game um, with his boot, too. Um, he went, <laughs> I believe, seven for seven in that game. Um, and yeah, like I said, if, you know, whether it's the all blacks or whether it's the BC all stars, the post don't move, they're in the same spot. Um, so it's like, and you know, he hasn't, he hasn't missed lately. Um, Nelson obviously had a really good game against Leicester too, but, um, if, but yeah, I don't know. It just seems like some decisions were made, um, already. And, you know, the roster, I think kind of reflects that in a way. And I think an interesting point someone made about the impact of the MLR and the Toronto Arrows specifically is if you look at the guys that were picked from the Toronto Arrows, mm-hmm. two guys from those Arrows had either very little caps or no caps at all. So all of those guys, those, those five other guys, so, you know, um, uh, Luke Campbell, uh, Jamie McKenzie, Cole Keith, um, Lucas Rumball, uh, like all those those guys um, already had Rugby Canada experience. And for some of them, they were already shoe-ins before the season started. Uh, it was only Mike Shepard and Andrew Quatran that really made this roster because of their seasons. So I think that you're right. A lot of decisions were already made before any of this happened, sorry, Patrick Parfrey as well. You know, like these guys already had that experience. So we didn't really have, I think a lot of people want to like give MLR props for being like giving some guys a chance to walk onto this team. And really, it wasn't really the case this time around. I still think that some of these guys that were already Rugby Canada players and probably had a shoe in, I think that they have looked a lot better. They look like they're in better shape because of MLR. You know, like that's definitely been been a, a, a help to progressing these these players, but I think we won't see that effect of MLR, at least for Canada, for another few years. Like the next World Cup, I think it'll have a big impact. But you know, it will be uh, it is going to be very interesting um, to see in the future. Yeah, uh, but, um, but like I said, there's 15 MLR players, mm-hmm. uh, seven from the Arrows. Uh, one that's actually very interesting. Um, Derek is Matt Heaton, who yeah. now has a home in MLR. Uh, yeah, apparently Matt Heaton has signed with uh, uh, Rugby ATL or Rugby Atlanta or Rattle or however they actually want to refer to themselves as. Um, but yeah, it appears that he's been signed by them. Um, it's Nothing has actually been announced by uh, Rugby ATL. Um, but, uh, when rugby Canada made the announcement of the roster, um, they listed Heaton as playing for rugby ATL. And, um, when the MLR, the, uh, the MLR's official Twitter account at USMLR also followed that up by, um, followed that up by basically congratulating the 15 major league rugby players, um, that have, have a spot on the Canadian squad and if you, you know, I'm not the best at math, but I'm confident that I can count to 15. And, you know, if you act, if you do look at it, it doesn't 
add up to 15 unless you include Matt Heaton. Um, there's 14 players uh, on the Arrows roster that played in Major League Rugby last season. Um, so for the Arrow, for Major League Rugby to officially be congratulating the 15 players um, that um, the 15 players that have made the uh, Rugby Canada roster here, um, I get, that apparently includes Matt Heaton. So I guess uh, you know, I guess we uh, you know, I guess we get the uh, uh, Canadian talent is uh, spreading to uh, Georgia for uh, next season. Um, and not and not Eastern Georgia, everyone. And, you know, jo- South Georgia, uh, which it, it is exciting. I mean, I don't even think uh, Rugby ETL has made any signing announcements. So I'm wondering if they're just doing one big yeah. bomb drop of a roster. So that's exciting. More talent uh, to follow in Major League Rugby. Um, we'll be talking a little bit more about MLR, but the next thing we're going to talk about is uh, Canada did play a game last weekend against the BC All Stars. Uh, they won 45-13. Uh, how did you feel about this match, Derek? Because, again, we, we kind of touched it like very quickly. For a game that was against a provincial all-star team, now, granted, BC has a very, very strong rugby contingent. Uh, it's got one of the most popular North American amateur leagues. Um, so we the part of me is not surprised that they gave – Canada a run but how did you feel about this what was the recap how do you feel um yeah this was an this was an interesting game um you know I wrote uh, I wrote a, an article uh for layman's sports following the game just a little recap and uh you know thoughts on um just thoughts on the game and everything and I like I pointed out a handful of players that I thought played really well like uh Theo Sauter, Giuseppe Dutrois um, that I was wondering um, if they would uh, if they played well enough to you know stick around and be on the uh, Canadian World Cup team. Um, they apparently did not play that um, well enough to do that, um, at least in Kingsley Jones's eyes. Um, so, but I mean, from the game as a whole, like looking at Rugby Canada as a team here, you can kind of get to see like some of the system stuff. Um, one in the first half, so Canada um, went they went to halftime. With only a 17 to 13 lead, um, basically, uh, wow, um, Canada took a lot of penalties in this game. Um, they took a lot in the first half as well, um, which is just you know it's it's one of those things where it's like yeah, man, like the discipline issues are just like that was just it was too much. Um, there was way too many penalties to the point where um, you know the point where uh, uh, Josh Larson um, eventually gets a um, a yellow card for just excessive penalties, um, just repeat infringements. Um, and then, uh, you know, credit to, uh, the BC all-stars who, you know, they, they did what like any good team, uh, would do. And what with, uh, Larson in the bin, they put up 10 points on the board to like crawl back within striking distance by half, um, by halftime. Um, it was a really, it was done on a really nice, uh, nice play from, uh, Brennan Schellenberger, um, he, you know, he uh, made a really great offload that kind of opened up a hole in the Canadian defense. Um, they, you know, they uh, worked a couple phases, carried the ball, continued down the line. Eventually, Colby Mason was the one that finished off the try. And, you know, it was, it was uh, actually, it was a really nice play. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, BC did well to take advantage of uh, an overlap with uh, the extra guy uh, not on the pitch for Canada. Um, so that was really well done. Um Canada too, like there's the two there's two glaring negatives from this game. I think they um, 
which um, I touched on one already, too many penalties. Um, it's self-explanatory. You can't be, like, you just can't take that many penalties. That's pretty much what all of BC's opportunities came from. All 13 of BC's points um, all came in the first half. Um, uh, Adam McQueen had uh, two penalties, and he obviously had, and there was obviously the try with the conversion as well. Um, so, uh, while well, the yellow card, so there's two like the basically Canada taking penalties put 13 points on the board, um, and that's the BC All Stars that were able to convert those errors into into points. Um, so the All Blacks could probably put up a lot more than 15 than 13 mm-hmm. points on the board. Um, the other issue too, though, is I know I said going into the half it was 17-13. Um, it probably could have been a lot higher. Um, there was just, there was far too many just execution errors, um, when, uh, and you know, we talked about it, it's like, you kind of have to take the opponent with a grain of salt, um, because it is just like the provincial team, it's not a test match, um, in theory, uh, you know, it's a provincial team where I believe all the guys were eligible to play for Canada, um, so it's like, in theory, their best player isn't as good as the worst player on Team Canada, um, but, um, but I don't think um, there's just they t- there's just there's so many execution errors that it's kind of like it was a little concerning at a point. Um, every time they would get inside the BC 22, um, they would either turn the ball over. Just the BC was super aggressive at the ruck. Um, it was clearly their game plan to just any breakdown. They just they sent like a horde of uh, of, of forwards to get to. Breakdown and uh, Canada seems to kind of struggle with it. It's probably why they were taking so many penalties at the start, too. But it resulted when uh, BC was defending within their own 22, they um, a handful of uh, turnovers at the breakdown. Um, there was a lot of knock ons, uh, a handful of errant passes and stuff, which is just mistakes that you shouldn't be making. Um, and like you don't want to, you, sh- you can't make those mistakes against Leinster. You can't make those mistakes against USA at this point. Um, and you can't make those mistakes against Italy, uh, the All Blacks, Springboks, or Namibia, um, because like they're, they're going, to, they're gonna make you pay for those. Um, the second half though uh, looked a little bit different, admittedly. Um, the second half is what you kind of would expect this game to look like. Um, BC kind of, you can tell like the fitness level is a little bit different. Um, BC started to uh, started to kind of get gassed. Basically, the entire half was played in the um, in the BCN, with the exception of one play um, where BC actually did create a turnover again, and they ran the ball out of um, basically out of the shadow of their own goalposts. And Canada, as so they're scrambling in defense to come back, one of the the BC pass just unfortunately hits the ref, um, which is the only thing that broke it up. But it could have been more points on the board for BC. It was a really nice play. They're doing a really great job of offloading, uh, allowing their guys to continue moving forward, um, creating space for each other. Um, so it was really nice to see. Um, but but yeah, in the second half, though, um, it was pretty much all Canada. Uh, McKenzie and Mac, I really liked um, I know, honestly, I think um, Gordon McCrory is going to be the nine, but the way McKenzie and Mac played in this game, I like, again, you got to take the opponent into consideration, but I like the style of play that they went with. Um, they were, played much more up-tempo. They were much faster to get the ball to the backs. Um, 
even like lineouts and things like that, they got they didn't waste a whole lot of time. They were getting the ball to the backs to let them go attack from that, um, which I did like. Um, Shane O'Leary, um, I thought I had a really great game. Um, he, you know, he went six for six on the conversions. He also added a penalty for a nice seven to seven night. Um, and you know, it's to me, he looks like the best pure fly half on Canada's roster. Um, again, you got to take again with the opponent in consideration, but um, like I'm, I'm not like Peter Nelson. I still think looks better as a fullback. Parfrey, I think, has been playing better than Nelson as the fullback, especially within the last couple of games. So it'll be interesting to see what Kingsley Jones ultimately decides to do. Um, what the actual match day 23 will be for the team against the USA. But um, from what I've seen against Shane O'Leary and what I've seen in this game, it's like he's probably Canada's best goal kicker. And um, I think, you know, I think on that alone, you probably want him in your lineup for most of the game. So um, ultimately, I mean, that's, you know, that that is really it. Um, it's, you know, a game against a provincial all-star team. Um, too bad Rock Stoller didn't play in it just because that would have been fun, um, but for no other reason, really. Um, yeah. Just, you know, for my own personal enjoyment, like, <laughs> eat it up. Yeah, just because, you know, if he ended up with that try instead of Colby Mason, it would have just been fun. Um, just to add a little fuel to the fire. Um, but, um, but, I mean, ultimately, just don't take that many penalties and hold on to the ball. And, uh, you know, it's... You know this this game was honestly this game was forty five to thirteen. It probably could have been way higher if just uh, way higher. They probably would have held BC to less points too. Um, but it was like their their own errors kind of um, skewed the score up a little bit to that. Lots of stuff to uh, to clean up on. Um, yeah, I, I was really impressed by O'Leary as well. I mean, I think his kicking from the tee, but also his kicking. To, uh, you know, for uh, meters, especially uh, to kick into touch for uh, for lineouts after a penalty. I think he was really impressive with this, with where he was placing the ball. Yeah, so we'll we'll see if really anything comes from that game. You know, maybe some people's performances. I think that Mike Shepard had a really strong game as the captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, penalties were an issue, but I think in the second half, one of the things that helped them is they they calmed down and you know. Uh, it's good to see that he got the captainship after you know the last couple of years he's had. He's really been uh, very yeah, impressive. That was, that was a really cool moment for him. Um, so I mean, that was you know that was nice. He was the Arrows captain in uh, twenty uh, for the twenty eighteen exhibition season as well. Um, that was just that was really kind of cool to see him get recognized and uh, you know be able to captain Team Canada, um, even if it's not a test match. It's still uh, that's a really cool accomplishment. Yeah. Uh, so good for it. Good for him and. Uh, you know, it's great to see that he's one of those players that did uh, end up being on the uh, the World Cup squad. Um, like, you know, you could, I think, you know, he's was one of those players. He got some, um, you know, maybe didn't have the best um, ARC, but um, through his uh, through the actual MLR season, uh, yeah, he he was amazing um, all year. He was one of the, you know, he we you know people were losing count as to how many uh, times he was in like the MLR team of the week. And, <laughs> at lock um so like it was it was a really impressive season for him um uh he was in fantastic form all year um so yeah it was great to see him kind of get you know get that chance to happen the side and um you know i think you know he really benefited from major league rugby and i know 
uh, we did briefly touch we did touch on it, but um, all these guys that are playing from MLR have definitely benefited from it. And I know through you know talking with a few of the players, um, like Lu- Lucas Rumble said, it's um, a very like it's a very noticeable difference just in like training sessions and stuff, just how much better in better form everybody is. And uh, I think Shepard Shepard's one of those guys that really benefited from being able to you know do more time playing uh, rugby basically on a full time basis. And uh, you know he, we we'll see. If he gets a starting spot, I think he deserved it. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we're going to move on now to the next thing that uh, has happened in the last few weeks is the Toronto Arrows have announced uh, nine new signings, uh, six returning players and three new players. Mm-hmm. Paul Cialini, Spencer Jones, Cole Keith, Mike Smith, the Van Horn twins are all the returning players that they announced. Um, Cellini had a really big part in, uh, in, uh, shoring up that, uh, pack, you know, he had a really strong season. Spencer Jones was kind of a, uh, a lucky find for the arrows. You know, he, he came over from New Zealand and, uh, with his Canadian eligibility and he looks like someone that rugby Canada has pegged for a spot for the next world cup. Cause he, he really impressed a lot of people and it's great to see that, He's sticking around in Canada for another season. Uh, Cole Keith, again, we kind of touched on it last last podcast and how he kind of dropped the news, but it's good to see him back. Mm-hmm. Mike Smith is someone that, you know, I don't remember seeing a whole lot from him. It was definitely coming off the bench, so I don't really have a whole lot to say about him. Yeah, but, uh, Mike Smith uh, played in one game uh, against the Houston Save. Well, he was dressed for two games, but he only actually played in one of them against the Houston Sabercats early in the season. And I believe he played off the top of my head, but I believe he played under five minutes in that game. Okay. Yeah. So, so uh, Mike Smith uh, Mike Smith uh, only had one official appearance last year. Um, but, yeah, but, you know, it's another it's another prop, um, uh, which, you know, just adds to the depth of the prop position, which we'll get to with some of the, the new additions as well. Exactly. Um, and then the Van Horn Twins... Uh, both played a, a key role in, in coming off the bench in a few of the Arrows games, so it's good to see them back. But, uh, you know, we've got three new faces to the Arrows lineup. Um, Taylor Adams uh, from uh, New Zealand. He plays scrum half. He plays fly half. He plays fullback. He's 25. You know, he's, he's someone that some people have compared to uh, Sam Malcolm in terms of he's got a little bit of versatility to his uh, – to his repertoire, but uh, Fly has seems to be the spot where he uh, is comfortable for most part. Um, and I, I want I want to apologize to him if I say his last name wrong, but Richie Izeda, um, who is also a uh, uh, import from uh, from overseas, um, a former junior Wallaby, uh, he is a prop, which is uh, exciting to see some new prop blood coming in at the age of 23. Um, really, you kind of looked at our, our props that were the starting ones, and they were a little bit on the older side. So it's good to see a young guy coming in, former uh, Junior Wildly playing with Canterbury in the Mitre 10 Cup. And then the, the last name uh, is uh, Will Kelly. Not really, not a whole lot of people are surprised about this, this signing, but Derek, one of the things we mentioned last week was depth at fly half. You know, we were, we were worried that. You know, one bad injury to Sam Malcolm, and we're 
kind of in a sticky situation. So how do you feel now after this latest round of signings? Yeah, yeah. I think you know, when we talked about it before, what we were hoping for uh, out of the arrows, whether it happened this signing or when they announced the next uh, group. Um, but yeah, adding depth at fly half uh, was one of the uh, the main issues I would have liked to see the team addressed. And I think uh, Mark Winnaker and uh, his staff here have done a done a fantastic job. Um, so obviously, you know, uh, Will Kelly uh, is a player that you know is a lot more familiar to Canadian fans. Um, he was, you know, uh, a prominent uh, member of the, uh, you know, the Arrows during their 2018 exhibition season. Um, he did then went overseas um, to uh, join the Dragons in Pro 14. Um, but, you know, uh, that didn't really work out. And he kind of returned early last year. Um, and he was also like, a, and he was around the team, but he didn't, uh, didn't end up playing. Um he is capped. It's just one, um, but he does have a cap for Canada. He was uh, involved um, in the World Cup preparations, but ultimately ended up being one of the players cut uh, before uh, or cut yesterday when they announced the roster. Um, but yeah, so he, you know, he's a great, uh, great player. He's a pure fly half. Um, so you know, that's that automatically is a, you know, it's a big boost. Um, Sean Windsor was the uh, only, for most of the season last year. Sean Windsor was. Um, the only other guy on the roster that played fly half. Um, Patrick Parfrey came in midway through the season and definitely added some depth to that position. Uh, but with, you know, how well Sam Malcolm was performing, he Parfrey uh, was, you know, more in the, the you know, fullback role um, coming on for Gaston Mirez late in the year. Um, but definitely adds to it. Taylor Adams, too, is, uh, you know, he's, he's an interesting you know, uh, he's an interesting player as well. Did a, some research on him after, you know, he was announced to be in ju uh, joining the team. Um, so he did play for the uh, the Junior All Blacks. Um, he also has made two appearances for the Melbourne Rebels in Super Rugby. Um, so that was kind of obviously a really short stint, um, just the two games. Um, following um, those two games, though, when he was around that camp there, um, so he did return to New Zealand to play for the Southland Stags in the Minor 10 Cup, which is Morgan Mitchell's team. Um, so, but unfortunately, during the in the preseason, he suffered an ankle injury, which um, essentially kept him out for the entire Minor 10 Cup season, and didn't and due to the injury, he wasn't able to attend um, training camp for the Melbourne Rebels, and therefore uh, couldn't make that squad after. Um, so he essentially missed almost an entire year, um, almost an entire year with uh, with with this injury. I uh, kind of lost out on a chance to return to Super Rugby, um, but you know this year uh, he did he did bounce back. Uh, he's been playing for Eastwood in the Shoot Shield, which is one of the uh, bigger uh, biggest rugby competitions uh, within Sydney, um, uh, Sydney, Australia, and it, so he's. Uh, he had four tries, 51 conversions, hit 14 penalties uh, during that competition as well. Um, so it kind of looks like, you know, he's he's still pretty young. Um, and he, you know, he was good enough to play in Super Rugby uh, before an ankle injury kind of derailed that for him. So um, it kind of seems like, you know, one of those guys that might be just be looking for like a new lease on life here. And, uh, you know, hopefully maybe he can use the uh, maybe rugby as a stepping stone to uh, propel him forward. But he's definitely another quality uh, quality fly half. And uh, he typically plays fly half. He is, as you mentioned, capable of playing scrum half and fullback. 
which just you know obviously is great just to, to have those players with those vers- uh, that versatility. Um, the, so yeah, I'm super happy with uh, those signings. They were uh, they really they, I don't know how you could have addressed it, the depth at fly half better. Um, you know, uh, maybe coax Dan Carter out of retirement. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. Um, I don't know how you could do that. Um, He's busy yeah, making movies about himself. Huh? He's oh, busy yes. making movies about himself. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, is that movie available in Canada? Like that? I'm actually like yeah. kind of want to watch that. Sounds like just available in like theaters in New Zealand. So, uh, well, somebody I know we're a, obviously a super popular podcast in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> so if anybody in New Zealand can uh, find a way to send me a copy of that movie, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, uh, also, Dan Carter, I'm assuming you listen to this too. So if you just want to <laughs> forward one of those copies to me, that'd be great too. Um, but uh, yeah, so the, the third uh, the third new signing, Richie As- Aceda as well. Um, so he's also been, at least the very least, he's been around a super rugby environment. He's trained with the Queensland Reds, never actually got into a game, though. Um, has played for the U20 Wallabies, uh, Queensland country. Um, so he's uh, he's also, like, he's got a pretty solid resume coming in. Um, and, you know, it's uh, one of those things where, you know, the Rob Brower was leaned on pretty heavily to uh, carry, um, carry the load at loose head last year. Um, the reserve players kind of fluctuated a little bit. Eventually, Pat Lynott's kind of really settled into that, to the role wearing the uh, 17 jersey uh, toward the end of the season. Um, so I think, you know, it's, a, it's another, uh, it's, uh, obviously, Brower hasn't been announced to uh, been signed yet. Um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see what he decides to do. Um, but ultimately, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's a really strong quality player. Um, that just adds to you know that's kind of what you want. You want two like really high quality props at um at both at both sides of the scrum. There, um, you have that on the uh, the tight head side with Morgan Mitchell and Cole Keith. Again, Morgan Mitchell hasn't officially announced to have signed yet, but um, you know hopefully he does. Sounds like I know Brian Ray had an article about uh, players in the minor MLR players in the minor ten cup which he seemed to suggest that both Malcolm and Mitchell could be coming back. Um, hopefully we'll be coming back. Um, but, it's, uh, but yeah, so it just adds more depth to the prop position on that side, um, especially considering uh, you got to wait on what Rob Power ultimately decides to do as well. And we will be patiently waiting for that decision. That is for sure. So the last thing... The last um, thing... Uh, yeah, so just one more thing just to add on yeah. to that. So the, um, obviously with the second group of signings, um, the biggest names that have not actually officially signed yet um, would be Dan Moore. Um, although Dan Moore, although he has been, um, you know, if you were around Rugby Canada um, events during the um, the match against Leinster in Hamilton, you would have, Dan Moore was very heavily, uh, was a very prominent figure in the rugby community around that week. Um, so uh, I would assume that, I, I mean, you don't really want to make assumptions, but he's definitely still very active as a member of the Arrows. Um, Mike Shepard, Morgan Mitchell, Sam Malcolm, Jamie McKenzie all still remain unsigned. So those are a few key pieces that uh, still need to be signed, so it'll be interesting to see where they lie. I, I wonder if some of those names are waiting until after the World Cup, especially guys like Mike Shepard and, mm-hmm. and Brower and... Jamie McKenzie, which are a little older in the year, so 
We'll definitely have to stay tuned. In the press release, they did announce that they will be announcing more in the next uh, month or so. So we'll see. Maybe maybe we get some more names. Maybe we get some familiar names. But the last thing we're going to talk about, because the game is this weekend, is uh, the U.S. and Canada will be playing in Vancouver on Saturday. Um, U.S. has announced uh, their lineup for the game, of course, where we record a podcast in Canada as post anything yet but that's just the way she goes in this business um Derek this U.S. lineup is looking very very full strength you know minus uh Nick Savita's injury which we, we've heard he's coming back USA Rugby says that he's progressing well but uh, I mean you look yeah. at like that front row and that's just it's 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 very intimidating, and then you look at some of the pieces that they put in their back line. What do you think about this lineup that Canada has to face? Yeah, I think I think I I, I agree. I think you know, with the exception of a handful of players that are out due to injuries, um, this looks you know like Nick Savetta. Um, this looks pretty much like what you would expect the, the USA to look like come World Cup time. Um, it's uh, the USA. I, I believe I mentioned it earlier in the uh, the podcast, um, but they haven't actually officially announced um, what their uh, twenty three guys going or sorry, the thirty one guys going to the World Cup are going to be. Um, so uh, this looks like a very full strength uh, full strength lineup. Um, Martin Isafo, uh is playing at uh, in number eleven, um, so that's a, that's a big opportunity for him. Um, uh, to get you know to get this start, um, he he's been he's been good during the uh, he's been very good during the uh, the Pacific Nations Cup. So um, he's clearly uh, you know uh, gained some favor of the coaching staff here. Um, I think the the pack definitely looks full strength, um, with the exception of Nick Savetta not being there. But you know uh, he's hurt, so what can you do about it? Um, but yeah, Cam Dolan, Quill, Germasize, uh, Patterson, or Peterson, uh, Landry, uh, Lemo, Satelli, uh, Joe Taffetti, and Eric Fry. Um, that's a that's a good scrum, man. That's a good pack. Um, so Canada's going to definitely have their hands full there. Um, same with the uh, you know the back line. Um, it's looking you know it's looking very good. Uh, got uh, Marcel Brosh um, from the Western Force, Paul. Uh, Lesaiki, uh, who you know played uh, played for Utah um, in MLR last year, but then was with the Harlequins all of this season. Um, so this this is a very uh, quality side here. Um, you know, uh, Sean Davies, Mikey Tehal, Malin Al Jabore, um, Dylan Fawcett, Nate Brakeley, all on the bench. Um, that's you know that this is a very it's a very good squad for the United States, so it'll be a it's going to be a big test, and um, we haven't seen the Canadians uh, the Canadian squad yet, um, but I would imagine, based on the fact that we have named our roster, it's going to be the full strength team, and I would also imagine that it's probably going to be, or at least if it was me making the call, I would have my lineup that ideally I would be playing against Italy, um, you know just. You got to get every get everybody, you know, one game as the cohesive match day 23 unit that you want to take to the World Cup. And um, hopefully, please end this losing streak to the United States. Um, just please end this losing streak to the United States. 
Um, I really, honestly, I really think it'd be a big thing for Team Canada um, because, you know, it's, uh, I had it pulled up here. So basically, you know, since qualifying for the, the Rugby World Cup after winning the, they beat Hong Kong, they won the Repechage Tournament. Um, Canada has gone, only has two wins um, in uh, since then. And that's two wins mixed with one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, two wins and eight losses um, since they actually uh, qualified for the, uh, the World Cup. Um, the two wins are against Chile and the BC All-Stars. Um, so, you know, it's not, not exactly, you know, racking up some, uh, some big, uh, big name victories there. Um, and include, you know, they have losses to, you know, along the way this year, they have, you know, a loss to Brazil, Argentina 15, um, two losses already to the United States. Um, and, you know, it would just, I think it would just be a big momentum boost to just win this game. Um, just, you know, win this game, go into the World Cup with a win, you know, with a win in recent memory, um, you know, uh, that your full strength squad was able to pull out against a really good American side and, you know, take some positive momentum into the World Cup. And I think I think one thing that we mentioned in the PNC game is Canada was five minutes away in the ARC from beating a almost full squad minus a few key pieces USA. I mean, you looked at you looked at the we, we compared the lineup of the a, the ARC lineup and the PNC lineup that Canada faced, and the ARC lineup was much stronger, and. Canada almost beat them without some of their key pieces in the in the lineup. Like it was a very yeah. uh, mix and matched Canada lineup in in uh, in that game. So you know it is it is possible. Like we're not talking like we're not expecting them to go and beat the All Blacks. Like this is a very doable game if Canada if Canada plays the way they played in the second half against Leinster and the second half against Tonga. If we see that Canada, which is afraid, isn't afraid to try different things, uh, can adapt quickly, and uh, just keeps, you know, mistakes to a minimum. It could be a very entertaining game. But if we're going to see the Canada that's been showing up in the first half of most of their games, then we yeah. are in for a rough game because it's just not going to be successful against a pack that's so strong and then finishers in their, their back line. Um, yeah, now, one thing that that um, I wanted to ask you about, Derek, is U.S. is one of the only teams that has yet to name a World Cup squad. Now, do you think that's they just wanted to wait for this final game, and because they didn't have as many warm-up games as Canada and some of their other competition? Why do you think that they probably held back? Is it also maybe because of injury? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think every team, you know, every team's just a little different. Um, you know, France, uh, I believe they did make some changes at the end, but France came out of the game like flying earlier this summer when they were just like, uh, you know, when other teams were announcing like their squads for like the, uh, you know, the summer internationals, and France was just like, here's 31 guys. Um, uh, so I think, you know, some teams I think just kind of do it a little bit differently. I think. Uh, yeah, maybe USA is waiting on, uh, maybe USA is waiting on, you know, a few injuries and stuff. See if, you know, maybe they are waiting on like the health of Nick Savetta just to see, um, see like, if he's actually able to come back. Um, 
see if he's, uh, you know, see if it's worth putting him on the 31-man squad um, or if, you know, it doesn't look like he'll be able to uh, play in the World Cup. Um, I'm not really sure. Maybe they're just, you know, maybe there's just this something as simple as they wanted to play all their uh, pre-World Cup games first. Um, just, you know, get a good look at every single player, um, you know, just in order to, you know, make a, make a more informed decision. I'm not really, I'm not really sure why they've waited this long. Um, a handful of, but it's not like, I don't know. It hasn't been like crazy long though. There's been a handful of teams that have been announcing their, uh, their squads, um, you know, throughout this week. I mean, uh, I know, uh, to, uh, round out the, uh, the Canadian group as well, Namibia, um, announced their roster earlier this week as well. Um, so now we, uh, we, uh, basically we know, uh, Canada's competition for, uh, for the entire tournament. Although I'm not going to pretend that I'm super well versed in Namibian rugby. Um, but, uh, you know, I tried to like, you know, look up some of these players on their site and stuff, but I don't think their site has been updated in a handful of years. Their Twitter account hasn't been used since like 2015. Um, so Namibia will remain a little bit of an unknown to me until they, um, <laughs> I guess until they get their, uh, their website back up and running. Um, but, um, I, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the, the reason behind the USA taking this long is, but I don't really think they've taken extremely long. I would imagine we have this squad by Monday. Um, if they're just waiting to see like the result of, you know, if anybody, uh, puts in a last ditch performance. Of you know, last ditch uh, big performance against Canada here to uh, you know solidify a spot. Or, um, but other than that, I don't know why they haven't announced it yet. Well, we'll have to see. It'll be interesting to see who who they they hold on to. Maybe some of those holdovers from the sevens team, or or whomever. It'll be interesting to see this uh, this U.S. Uh, roster when it's all said and done. Well, we've got this big game on Saturday. It'll be on TSN at 10 o'clock Eastern Time, 7 uh, Pacific. So look forward to watching that. Um, as always, if you want to listen to uh, some of our previous podcasts, head to LaRouge Rugby on Twitter. We have a link to our website, which has all of our episodes on it and where you can find them. Uh, follow us on Twitter as well. And uh, hopefully... We've said this before, but hopefully next week we'll have a victory against the U.S. to talk about. And maybe Aaron Castro will stop trying to get me to bet with him because last time that did not go so well. It, it, uh, it's good. It's good. It's going to be OK. Um, you know, I don't think, you know, nobody beats us 11 times in a row and gets away with it. Um, so I think I, I I'm expecting I think I think Canada can uh, can pull it out here. Um like you said, it's it's like there was a couple of games where it's like they played, you know, they did play the USA pretty close um, uh, earlier in this year, um, but um, you know at the ARC, anyways. Um, but I think, yeah, I just uh, I really just want Canada to be able to go into the World Cup with uh, you know some positivity. Um, so hopeful, you know, I'm just hopeful for a really good performance, and um, I just don't want to owe Aaron Castro four times of whatever it is that we do owe him. Um, so uh, I would, I, uh, I'm putting my faith in the hands of Lucas Rumble, Tyler Arjon, DTH, and a um, that he will have to owe us something. So uh, play well boys and uh, beat the Eagles. <laughs>